1: Some are saying that it
0: really was the cops that shot those men. You must be new to this town, mister. Only Al Capone kills guys like that. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Get In Loser. We're starting a podcast. Man, that was of the better
1: instructions of all time so far.
0: Yeah, if you guys, uh, if you don't know from the, from the intro there, uh, you know, like we said last week, we were hoping to have a guest on this week. Excuse me. Because uh we had a pretty cool episode that we had teed up that we wanted to talk about, but unfortunately my brother, he was the one who we wanted to have on. Uh he wasn't able to make it because uh, you know, he's just been working a lot and stuff, so we're gonna try and get him on in a couple of weeks and we're gonna we're gonna dive a little deeper into everything evolving this revolving this story. But today me and Drew are gonna give you just like, you know, like the basic rundown of it all. But before I go and, you know, I keep ranting about nothing, saying nothing that means anything, uh, we're talking about, this week we're going to talk about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Yes, the St. Valentine's Massacre.
1: What Valentine's Day is about this real holiday right here, player.
0: Yeah, if you guys don't know, uh, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre was, uh, at the time, one of the biggest gang violence like massacres in Chicago history at the time of when it happened. Which I believe was like what was it, like nineteen twenty nine? Nineteen thirty? No, nineteen twenty nine. Okay, that's what I thought. But yeah. But it uh it involved uh, you know, it was uh it was basically a gang violence from uh Al Capone's gang against the gang run by uh George Bugs Moran. So, before we dive into the massacre itself, me and Drew are just going to give you a little rundown of, you know, the two main players. In this episode, Drew's going to play, you Uh, know, the uh, original Scarface, Al Capone, and I'm going to take on uh, Bugs Moran. uh, So, go ahead, Drew, tell us a little bit about Capone.
1: Al Capone, sometimes known by the nickname Scarface, was an American gangster and a businessman who attended non games. During the probo- probation era, as a co-founder and boss of the Chicago Outfits, he served seven-year reign as a crime boss. Ended it, he ended it when he went to prison at Directory. This motherfucker was gangster. Like,
0: well, I mean, they they were built differently back then, man. They were into some shit. Young, I mean, that's all they knew, basically. Meh. <laughs> but yeah, uh, let's get in here to a little bit of.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot to say it. his birthday was uh, January seventeenth, eighteen ninety nine, and he died January twenty fifth, nineteen forty seven, as a heart attack. What a way to go!
0: Yeah, all right. Now let's get a little bit of new uh, Bugsy Moran. Born on the twenty first of August, eighteen ninety three, George Bugs Moran was a famous American mobster, bootlegger, and prominent figure in the North Side Gang. That was popular in the Prohibition era. Uh, born at Lard Cunning or Cunin, I don't know how to say it. He rose in the mafia ranks to be one of the most powerful and feared gangsters in Chicago. But, little known fact about him, he also wasn't very smart.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, he passed on Passed on in February 25th, 1957, while serving a 10-year sentence at the Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary. So, yeah, man. Bugsy Moran died in prison. I think Al Capone died
1: in prison as well.
0: Probably. Didn't Al Capone have... syphilis? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what I thought. Didn't they just make a movie about him with Tom Hardy playing Al Capone? I'm not really for sure. I'm almost positive they did. Tom Hardy? Yeah. Like the dude who plays Bane? Ooh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. I gotta see if there's anything about a movie about Bugs Moran. I'd like to watch it. I kinda like that guy.
1: Do you know what's funny? um, Do you know uh, the Wacky Racer shit? Yeah. Remember that little group? Yeah. That's supposed to be Bugs in the group? Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's
0: badass, dude. Bugs Moran's the man, dude. Definitely. yeah, go ahead, Drew. Let's get into this a little bit. Let's, uh...
1: <clears throat> the, um uh, The date of this Valentine's Massacre... The, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say, say Valentine's Massacre the whole fucking episode. I'm going to say the Massacre. Or Valentine's. Or VD. Don't say VD. It sounds like <laughs> venereal disease. What the
0: fuck? Just say the Massacre.
1: Oh, the Massacre. Um, uh, February... Of course, happened on February 14, 1929... Uh, At the time of 10.30 a.m. Central Time If if you guys don't know what it is Are behind us, pretty much The uh, whole setup was about uh, Al Capone was trying to go after Bugsy But but, um, Bugsy had the uh, He saw the cop car He's like, nope, fuck this shit I'm out
0: yeah, well, basically, this is this is how it went down, basically. It's after Moran had ripped off almost half of his empire, Capone knew it was the time to end all of this, so he tricked Moran into a lucrative whiskey deal through an anonymous, anonymous phone call. The shipment was to arrive from Detroit at 10.30, and Moran, being a businessman, he fell to the lie that it would be a great bargain. Capone had his men camouflage and a police car and uniforms. And when they struck at the warehouse, Moran's, Moran's men thought it was an ordinary raid. And the reason, Moran was literally walking down the street. Like, he was literally right outside the warehouse. And the reason he didn't go in is because he seen the cop car. And he's seen the cops. So he figured it was a raid. So he was like, fuck that, I'm going to leave. And he just walked away. He He flipped up his collar and he walked the other way. Because he's like, I'm not going to get involved in that, you know. They're about to raid my guys. Worst case scenario, my guys, they'll get out in a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? So he turned around and hightailed it out of there. But excuse me. That was that was all part of Capone's plan. He had the he had his guys dress in police uniforms and drive up in an unmarked police car. And that was, you know, like their way of getting in there. But also, Capone had two guys, two of his guys, posted up in a boarding house across the street from the garage from Moran's garage, and they were supposed to be on the lookout and when they seen Moran, they were to call this uh base of operations that Al Capone and his guys worked out. Of. It was called the circus cafe he was they were these guys in the boarding house were meant to call those guys and say, "Hey, you know, we' just seen Moran he's there." Time to roll. And those that's when these guys would show up. But the problem was, they had saw somebody who they thought was Moran, but it wasn't. So they had seen a guy go into the garage thinking it was Bugs Moran, but it wasn't. So they, they called the hit way too early, and that's what gave Moran the chance to get away. Is because by the time he got there, the cops were already there, so he left. So if it wasn't for these guys fucking up yeah dropping the ball and calling it too early they might have actually gotten Moran. yeah
1: sean interesting fact about that uh, the guy that doll was moran or bugsy um he had the same height the same uh jacket the same hat uh this almost the same kind of st- builtness as bugs that's why it's like guys like hey 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 guys Call call the phone. Hey, um, we got this situation. He's in. He's in the Eagles. In yeah, that's basically what they said. They said the rabbit was in the hole. Oh my, oh my God! I just thought about it. Yeah. That's why he's Bugsy.
0: <laughs> yeah, they said the rabbit was in the hole. But uh, before we get too, uh, you know, deep in all those details, uh, one of the things that me and you were talking about was pretty funny. Uh, that intro that we did, that was actually. That's what a reporter, a reporter had said, after the massacre, a reporter had said to Bugs Moran that he, uh, you know, you know, some guys are starting to think it really was cops who killed those men. And that's when Bugs told the, uh, he told the reporter, he said, you must be new to this town, mister. Only Al Capone kills guys like that. And it's funny because... While Capone Capone was down in Florida while all this was happening. Yeah, if Capone was in his mansion. Yeah, he was in his mansion in Florida, and when he was asked about the massacre, this is what he had to say. Uh, he said, um, "Only people killed like that was Bugsy himself." Yeah, he told he was. So I mean, they're basically blaming it on each other. I mean, you know, they weren't stupid. They were, they weren't snitches, man. You know.
1: Yeah. But. You gotta respect that. It was like, yeah, I believe it was Bugs. And deep down he hated his motherfucker Bugs took north side I think
0: Capone took the south Yeah basically I mean And Capone had called in He had called in two guys from New York Which he called his American kids And those are the guys who uh, They were the two main shooters During the massacre
1: With the uh, Tommy assault Tommy Thompson yeah
0: Man, those motherfuckers! Thompson submachine gun. Yo, I,
1: I'm talking about, dude. You've been playing the mafia games, like any kind of mafia games. If you had that kind of gun, you you'd be blowing motherfuckers.
0: Yeah, I was telling Drew before we started that uh, there's actually if you could find pictures online, like obviously they're super old pictures, so the quality's not that great. But a couple of these guys were shot so point blank, like so close that their heads were split open. Like it was wild, dude. It was insane, but. Yeah, uh.
1: Yeah, um, dude, I'm just saying. If you try and get somebody, but you wind up, the you know, um, wind up getting other people. I, when I heard about the Valentine Massacre, I, I thought it was like, like a big old deal. I thought it was like something, uh, like 100 people got murked, but I didn't realize it was only seven people with over 70 bullets been spread between them. Yeah, the, I'm sorry, hold on a second. Um yeah, pretty much um It, it was just crazy back then too. And um what year is it now Sean? 2022. 2022 and we got We got 7
0: years for the 100 year anniversary. <laughs> 7 yeah, I'm trying to look because I'd listened to another podcast before as like part of my research for this. I'm trying to find out. They said something on there about at the time. I'm pretty sure they said at the time it was the biggest uh, gang killing in Chicago history at the time and it still remains one of Chicago's uh, biggest uh, massacres.
1: And quick note on that when Sean is looking through his notes. That that crime been unsolved for over a couple decades because, how Sean said it, uh, he was, because, again, we, we pre-meet him before we come in. I it says, it's like, all right, you killed the gangsters, us cops, we're going to turn our backs for just a couple minutes, like a couple, a couple years, because we don't want to deal with this bullshit paperwork.
0: Yeah, I mean, even after the cops figured out that it wasn't actually cops that did it and it was a gang-related killing, they just didn't care. Uh at one point the f b i got involved in the case, but it it went unsolved for decades, and it's still unsolved today because they just didn't care. They're like it's gang- it's less gang killings for us to worry about, you know what I mean oh definitely, like if the gangs kill each other, we've got nothing to worry about. That's basically how they've seen it
1: i' I've, I've been writing a report um hmm, what's today uh today's report these people just commit suicide. That's probably some of the reports were about
0: yeah, it was. It was it was wild, man. But oh, here it is. Oh no, that wasn't it. My bad. Oh. Well, uh, oh yeah. I mean, I can't find the exact article I was looking at the other day, but I'm almost positive that the, Chicago, the Saint Valentine's Day Massacre remains one of the largest massacres in Chicago history. Probably one of the bloodiest massacres as yeah, well. It's it was. It was but yeah, these guys. Um, for those of you who don't know, when these, these cops, you know, air quotes, cops, had walked in, had gone into the, uh, fuck. Sorry, I'm losing my train yeah. of thought.
1: Uh, going to the situation.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, seven members of Moran's operation were gunned down. Or, yeah. When the cops had walked into the garage, when they burst into the garage, Moran's men thought it was just a regular... They thought it was just a regular, uh, fuck, dude, a regular, uh, they thought it was just a regular raid. So that's how they treated it, you know what I mean? And, uh, the cops, you know, air quotes, cops, Capone's men, had had, they had these guys, these seven men, they had them lined up against the wall, put their hands up against the wall. And, uh, when, I forgot what they said exactly, but they like had these guys lined up and right before they killed them. They, uh, they looked, they, uh, or no, they, they were lining them up and they thought it was just cops. So, you know, they were just, just hanging out. And one of the guys, one of the shooters, he was like, when you get to hell, tell him Capone sent you, Capone sent you. And he fucking, they unloaded on him. Point uh, blank. Yeah. With these Thompson submachine guns. And I mean, these guys' heads were split open. I'm pretty sure in the wreckage, there was, there was one guy, an optometrist, who had quit his job as an optometrist because he just liked hanging out with the mafia. He had no ties to the mafia at all, he had no ties to anybody. He just liked gambling with them. And yep. he was killed on that day, too.
1: You no, know, so just just imagine like you tell your wife like, "Hey babe, I'm gonna quit my job. We're going to do I'm just going to hang with my boys." Yeah. Like Oh, it's wild. Yeah, like Dennis like, "Okay, be safe, honey." That's <laughs> like, I bet he told I bet he told his wife uh, if he was married, I'm just assuming he's married, cause back then men of that caliber was married. But don't assume. But or girlfriend. Or... Anyway, uh, he was like, "Yeah, baby, I'm gonna hang out with the boys. Like, yeah, I gotta meet them at ten o'clock. By ten thirty. No, not ten. Like he told her, like as soon she as he was leaving the house, like I'm gonna I'm gonna take you off for Valentine's dinner that night, baby.
0: All right, thanks for that. Random uh, side road that had nothing to do with anything we were talking about, True, That was great. Yeah, no, welcome. But uh, the victims in the shooting included uh, five members of, of Bugs Moran's Northside gang. Uh, Moran's second-in-command and brother-in-law, Albert Kalachek, alias James Clark, was killed with, along with Adam Hayer, the gang's bookkeeper and business manager, Albert Weinshank, who managed several cleaning and dyeing operations for Moran, and gang enforcers Frank Guzenberg and Peter Guzenberg, who were his two best shooters. Those guys were his best shooters in his group. Uh, Two collaborators were also shot, Richard Reinhardt H. Swimmer, a former optician who turned gambling and gang associate, and John May, an occasional mechanic for the Moran gang. Uh, Chicago police arrived at the scene to find that victim, Frank Gusenberg, was still alive. He was taken to the hospital. where stu- Doctors stabilized him for a short time, and police tried to question him. He had sustained 14 bullet wounds. Like, they laid into these guys, like an entire clip into seven guys. Uh, like 70 bullets or something? Uh, the police had asked him, asked him who did it, and he replied, no one shot me. He died three <laughs> hours later.
1: Yeah, wait, hold on, you telling me, he he definitely
0: lived by the cold for sure. Oh, yeah, they all did. Now, he, he wasn't going to snitch. He's like, I'm probably going to die here right now, but I ain't snitching. That's but, not me.
1: But, but be like, sir, um, you got bull holes
0: in you. Mm, nah, that wasn't. And I mean, obviously because of what these guys had said to them before killing them, this guy knew that it was Capone. He knew, he knew it was Capone. Like, but he's like, I'm not going to snitch, that's not who I am. I ain't no snitch. But uh, after after the massacre, uh, Al Capone was widely assumed to have been... Or, well, first, afterward, they didn't even assume that it was Capone because of the outfits the guys were wearing. They thought it was cops. So they didn't even suspect Capone for a while. But once they finally did get along to realizing it was a gang shooting... Uh, Al Capone was widely assumed to have been responsible for ordering this massacre, despite being at his Florida home at the time. Uh, the massacre was an attempt to eliminate Bugs Moran, head of the Northside gang, and the motivation for the plan may have been the fact that some expensive whiskey illegally imported from Canada via the Detroit River had been hijacked while it was being transported to Cook County, Illinois. Uh, Moran was the last survivor of the Northside gunman. His succession had come about because his similarly aggressive predecessors, Jaime Weiss and Vincent DeRucci, had been killed in violence that followed the murder of original leader Dean O'Banion. So, I mean, Bugsy was basically it. He was basically all that was left. Al Capone wiped out the rest of his guys.
1: Yeah, that's some gangster shit right there. Oh. So, I
0: mean, I mean, obviously the main target was Moran, but in a way Capone kind of got exactly what he wanted. Moran was no longer a threat to him because he had nobody left. It was just him.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying if if Moran didn't like Capone, will you, will you ever work with him
0: with the man? These guys were like full-blooded like about that life, dude. So they if you had an enemy, even if you didn't know why he was your enemy, he was your enemy. Oh fuck yeah! And I mean, you'd you'd liable you'd liable to stab in the back to say, first chance you get. You know what I mean? These guys didn't fuck around, man. They're not like these air quote gangsters these days. Those guys were like, they were about it, man.
1: Yeah, it was like the it was like the beef. Like if like, yeah, it was just bad. Al Capone was like
0: just checkmated. Uh... Bugsy. Yeah. But, uh... A couple different things contributed to why they had planned to kill Moran when they did. Uh Earlier in the year, Northsider Frank Gusenberg and his brother Peter unsuccessfully attempted to murder Jack McGurn. Uh, the Northside gang was complicit in the murders of Pasquiliano, Patsy, Alolardo, and the... And Antonio the Scrooge Lombardo, oh my God, these guys got the fucking sickest names, dude. Antonio the ass, Scrooge, uh, both had been presidents of the Union C- Siciliana, the local mafia, and close associates of Capone. Moran and Capone had been vying for control of the lucrative Chicago bootlegging trade. Moran had also been muscling in on Capone on a Capone run. Dog track in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, he had and he had taken over several saloons that were run by Capone, inciting, insisting that they were in his territory. So I mean, like we said at the beginning of the episode, uh, once we can finally get my brother on here, we'll dive a little deeper. You know, we'll do a, we'll try and do a whole episode on like the rise and fall of Capone, and then you know the rise of Moran too, just to give you guys a little bit more details of it. But I mean, I know, like, I know, like, the basic history about this kind of stuff, but, like, my brother, he's, like, a mafia encyclopedia, so we'd kind of rather wait for him before we do a deep dive episode and that stuff, but the St. Valentine's Day Massacre is just so cool that me and Drew wanted to talk about it because of, you know, Valentine's Day being Monday, so we figured we'd at least give you, like, a little rundown history of it on this episode, you know what I mean, and then at a later episode. Hopefully in a couple of weeks we can do a more deep dive into it. Well, definitely for sure. But uh, all right, Drew. What do you want? What's let's go? What are you talking about?
1: I'm talking about um, within days Capone received a summons. Some, some, some summons? Summons to testify before a Chicago Grand Jury on charges charges of federal prohibition violation but he claimed to be unwell to attend a he faked
0: his sickness did you know that the massacre helped overturn uh prohibition in chicago i know yeah when they had found out when they had finally found out that one of the reasons that they had killed each other was over liquor you know what i mean that's when everybody started ramping up like oh well if we give them back the ability to drink maybe we could stop them from killing each other So the massacre played a part in Prohibition being lifted because a lot of these guys, a lot of these gangs back then, their biggest lucrative income was Prohibition, you know what I mean? The, you know, the legal sale of alcohol. Being able to control that sale is what made them a lot of their money. So by the government overturning Prohibition, it hit a lot of these guys, you know, Right in their biggest business. Oh, oh fuck yeah! <laughs> so, in trying to kill Moran, Capone kind of fucked himself. It's you know, it's pretty wild, man. It's pretty wild what the what the uh, consequences of your actions. It's pretty big, pretty pretty big.
1: All right, here's 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 a, here's a few facts about the massacre. Chicago in the nineteen twenties became the became the base for legal activities of rival gangs of uh, mobsters and gangsters until nineteen twenty. Gangsters have mainly limited their activities to prohibition, uh, prostitution, th- uh, theft, explosion, and gambling. The, provi- the prohibition era that then. Pro- um uh, Mopsers was the legal and high nuclear crime of bootlegging and the uh, fan uh, profit to to make for speakers or something. Pretty much... Um, speakeasies. Speakeasies. Uh, pretty much, um, like, the bootlegging industry was... It was, like, made a... The the uh, the federal government made a law about it. Oh, you can't do no more liquor or no more
0: booze. We're going to cut it. Yeah, that's what Prohibition was about. They stopped the sale of alcohol, the legal sale of alcohol. That's why a lot of mafia got into bootlegging and shit like that because there was such a big business in it because they were able to control the sale of alcohol. And they'd be able to pocket it, you know what I mean? That's why the government was like, oh, well, we'll overturn it. Then you can't control it anymore. Maybe we, you guys will stop killing each other over it. Man, they're still killing each other. I mean, yeah, they're always going to find reasons to kill each other. But they, you know, they were just doing what they thought was, you know, what was going to help.
1: Hey, I was I was right about that. Uh, Bugsy Boys was in the north, and Capone Boys was in the south. It was, it that's like that. It's like that today, but less violence. Um.
0: These gangs nowadays aren't as violent as they were back then, dude. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, they are, but it's for stupid reasons now. Back then, it was business. It's all about business. Now, they'll fucking kill you just for looking at them. Listen, I'm I'm sure I'm going to upset a lot of people. I feel like this is going to be two weeks in a row where I'm going to say a very controversial (laughs) opinion. But gangsters these days, you're kind of little bitches compared to those guys. Let's be honest. Yeah, Sean. Uh. Yeah, but I mean, it's true. You gotta be. Let's be honest here. No, I'm talking about these gangsters in our city. But no, I'm you, not talking about gangsters everywhere. Compared to those guys, compared to guys like Capone and Moran, these guys nowadays are kind of little bitches. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah,
1: but they're they're probably still talking about like these gains. Like nowadays, yeah. They're, how Sean said it, little bitches. But they're
0: fighting over drugs and money right now as well. Yeah, but I mean, like, guys like Capone and Moran and all, you know, all those big names. They were, like, gangsters, but, like, they did it in, like, a, they made it, they made, like, being a gangster kind of classy. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, definitely, for sure.
0: That's why so many people were like, oh, you know, uh, wish we could dress like they did back in those old gangster movies. Because those made, those guys made being a gangster look fucking cool. They made you want to be a gangster because of the way they, you know what I mean? Oh, definitely for sure. Like, hey, can you see catch you see? Like, yeah, I mean, back then you still had the same chance of walking out the door and getting fucking shot up, but back then there was, like, a class about it. It was, like, a very classy thing, kind of. It wasn't, like, super messy like it is nowadays, I feel like. I mean, that's just me. I don't know. That's just me, though. Um,
1: Another... Um, I'm a, another fact. Capone wanted to extend his territory to cover the whole Chicago and double the sixty million per year he racked in. More for orders to Saint same, same valence uh Massacre. Sixty or six sixty. Holy fuck! Sixty million dollars per year. That's Jesus Christ. Yo, you know how much money that that's like a, roughly. Half half a billion right now. No wonder that motherfucker has a
0: had a mansion in Florida.
1: <laughs> fucker. Um, yeah, the uh, the gains on Clark Street was using uh, director points for the Northside liquor often f- frequently by Bugs. It was believed Bugs had been set up by Capone. Yo, know, I'm just saying like like if me and Sean was rivals, like I told him, like, "Hey, dude, I got a bu- I got a good business opportunity for
0: you. You should come. You should come to this little location." I mean, for a while there, Bugs Moran and Al Capone had they had a truce for a little bit. Like they had called their truce for a little bit, but I forgot what ended it. I'm but, looking up right now.
1: Yeah, I bet I bet it ended because someone took the last piece pizza, uh, pizza or something. You know Chicago's known for the deep dish speeches.
0: Deep dish pizza? No thanks. <laughs> Thin crust pizza? No thanks. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, I heard it in the podcast I was listening to, and I can't remember. They'd, like, done a truce, like... They'd be, like, decided to be friends for a little bit. Like, you know, like, be not be rivals, but be, like... Oh, here it is. They met at the Hotel Sherman. It was called the Hotel Sherman Treaty. Hold uh. on. That's one of those stupid sites where you have to sign up to read it. What the fuck? Come on.
1: <laughs> um, How Sean said earlier, the police car that Bug saw got him shook up or shook down or something. And um yeah, I don't know how these guys got a fucking car. Did the police? Did the police? Did they pay the police off, or was I the mean pl-
0: they had some police under their
1: under the radar.
0: Yeah, under their pay. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to find this thing. Every site I'm coming across is it's like, uh... oh, here it is. Okay, Uh the autumn of 1926. Saw Chicago's gangsters involved in a dangerous and bloody cycle of violence. In late September, Shimer Drucci and Bugs Moran and Jaime Weiss had shot up Capone's serial headquarters. Within days, Capone had ordered the assassination of Weiss on the street in front of O'Banion's flower shop. On october twentieth, Capone arranged a peace conference with the Northsiders held at the held at Hotel Sherman. At Clark and Randolph, Big Bill Thompson, the former Chicago mayor who was planning a political comeback, served as the impartial mediator. The Northsiders demanded that O'Banion's assassins, Scalise and Anselmi, be punished by Capone, but even they seemed to have been impressed with Capone's earnestness for peace. He argued, I couldn't stand hearing my little kid ask, why I didn't stay home in Chicago. I had been living in the Hawthorne Inn in Syria for 14 months. If it wasn't for him, I'd have said, to hell with you fellows, we'll shoot it out. But I couldn't say that, knowing it might mean they'd bring me home some night punctured with machine gun fire. Uh, the conference led to a general amnesty between the gangs in which all murders performed in the past, were considered closed with no further repercussions. Derucci and Moran would control the north side areas of the city and the like, and Capone would control the south side below Madison, plus Cesario. Uh, there was not a single gangland murder for 70 days after the conference. Holy shit. It was the longest period without gang violence in years. So yeah, that was... Uh, what they called the Sherman House Treaty, the Hotel Sherman Treaty, and that was the longest they had ever gone without any gang violence in Chicago, at the time, like the longest period. So I mean, that's that just shows you that's fucking wild.
1: Yo, um, here's another little tidbit or little fact. Uh, a dude's dog survived the attack. Like I bet these guys, like these these fake cops, like took took a shot and was like. They're like, all right, the dog's safe. A1 is not.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of that, here's a little more detail on uh, leading up to the attack. Uh, most of the Moran gang had arrived at the warehouse by approximately 10.30 a.m., but Moran was not there. Having left his Parkway Hotel apartment late, he and a fellow gang member, Ted Newberry, approached the rear of the, of the warehouse from a side street When they saw a police car approaching the building, they immediately turned and retraced their steps, going to a nearby coffee shop. They encountered gang member Henry Guzenberg on the street and warned him, so he too turned back. Northside gang member Willie Marks also spotted the police car on his way to the garage, and he ducked into a doorway and jotted down the license number before leaving the neighborhood. Capone's uh, lookouts likely mistook... One of Moran's men's, one of Moran's men, from Moran himself, probably Albert Weinshank, who has the same height and build. Uh, the physical similarity between the two men was enhanced by their dress that morning. Both happened to be wearing the same color overcoats and hats. Witnesses outside the garage saw a Cadillac sedan pull up to a stop in front of the garage. Four men emerged and walked in inside of them, two of them dressed in police uniform. The two fake police officers carried shotguns and entered the rear portion of the garage where they found members of Moran's gang and collaborators Reinhardt Schwimmer and John May, who was fixing one of the trucks. The fake policemen then ordered the men to line up against the wall. They then signaled to the pair in civilian clothes who had accompanied them. Two of the killers opened fire with Thompson submachine guns. One with a 20-round box magazine and the other with a 50-round drum.
1: God damn.
0: They were thorough, spraying their victims left and right, even continuing to fire after all seven had hit the floor. Two shotgun blasts afterward all but obliterated the faces of John May and James Clark, according to the coroner's report. Uh, To give the appearance that everything was under control, the men in street clothes came out with their hands up prodded by the two uniformed policemen. Inside the garage, the only survivors in the warehouse were May's Dog, Highball, and Frank Guzenberg, despite 14 bullet wounds. He was still conscious, but he died three hours later, refusing to utter a word about the identities of the killers. The Valentine's Day Massacre set off a public outcry, which posed a problem for all mob bosses. Yep,
1: wild. Fucking well, um, a. You heard about the the blonde al- the alibi?
0: No, what's the alibi?
1: Uh, the, the first al the first alibi was uh, Al Capone was in Florida at the time of the massacre and had an and had an airtight alibi, like people were, like story on story and stories like hey. Yeah, uh, Al Capone was at his house. I saw him smoking his cigar in his pool, man. Why are you asking me these fucking questions, man? Then um, the blonde alibi, me- me- uh, machine gun Jack McGunner, a key member of the Chicago Outfits, was questioned but never res- arrested. His girlfriend, Louise Rofan, Ro- 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 felt for him... And said that he had spent Valentine's together in bed until one one o'clock that afternoon. This
0: Luis, Luis's nickname was the
1: blonde alibi. At one o'clock. Who who who
0: go to sleep at one o'clock? That's pretty cool though. Also fun fact, Machine Gun Jack, I'm pretty sure that's where MGK got, got his nickname at Machine Gun Kelly. He took it from Machine Gun Jack. Because he's a fucking poser little bitch. I'm coming for you, MGK. You're my next celebrity beef. Hey, dude. He shares the same birthday as you. I know. Fuck that guy. (coughs) Yeah, man. It's pretty wild shit happened, man. Uh, On February 22nd... Hold on. Excuse me. On February 22nd, police were called to the scene of garage fire on Wood Street where they had found... A 1927 Cadillac sedan Disassembled and partially burned And they had determined that the killers had used the car They traced engine number to a Michigan Avenue dealer Who had sold the car to James Morton of Los Angeles The garage had been rented By a man calling himself Frank Rogers Who gave his address as 1859 West North Avenue This was the address of the Circus Cafe operated by Claude Maddox, a former St. Louis gangster with ties to Capone, the Purple Gang, and the Saint Street and the St. Louis Gang Egan's Rats.
1: <laughs> Egan's Rats.
0: <laughs> uh one of the funny things about one of the cars they tried to get rid of, the one that they tried to that they disassembled and tried to cut up every piece. The guy who was working on that car, when he was cutting up the car, he cut into the fuel tank. And the car exploded, and he set himself on fire. Oh my fucking! So he was like, they said they, a witness said she saw him running away from the car on fire.
1: Yo, I'll be like, what the fuck?
0: So these guys weren't very smart.
1: Yo, you know who these guys kind of remind me of? Remember uh, in Hawkeye, the tracksuit,
0: the ah, the tracksuit mafia. Yeah, you know, it kind got of Where they call everybody They say bro all the time Yeah, bro we uh, do that, bro?
1: We do that for bra
0: <laughs> Why you hurt me, bro?
1: Yeah, this shit was too funny That That was part of like How Capone's boys And uh Buggy's boys was like
0: I mean, yeah I mean, those gangsters back then They weren't very bright Obviously Like, hey Um oh, Jay
1: Hoover Hoover you hear about that one?
0: <laughs> no, let's hear about it, Drew.
1: All right. Uh, the publishers and sources of Al Scarface Capone, who brought him the unwanted attention of the federal government, uh, J. Edgar Hooger, director of the Prohibition Bureau, a uh, bureau, bureau, that's a fucking stupid word, understood the publishers' value of taking out alcohol. Al Scarface Capone, J. J. Hoover, and the new elected president Herbert Herbert Hoover, I never knew they were brothers. Was determined to end the career of Al Capone.
0: Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Uh, when they had start, when they start, when the police started, uh arresting people or trying to connect people to uh, the massacre. They had announced that they suspected Capone gunman John Scalise and Albert Anselmi as well as Jack McGurn that's a Machine Gun Jack and Frank Rio a Capone bodyguard. Police eventually charged McGurn and Scalise with the the massacre. Capone murdered John Scalise and Anselmi and Joseph Hoptoed Quinta in May 1929 after he learned about their plan to kill him. Uh, the police dropped the murder charges against Jack McGurn because of lack of evidence and he was charged with a violation of the Mann Act, which is uh, the White Slave Trafficked Act.
1: What the fuck?
0: <laughs> uh, an act to further regulate interstate and foreign commerce by prohibiting the transportation of Therein for moral purposes of women and girls. But right after being released on those charges, he went and took his girlfriend Louise across state lines to marry her. And you know why he did that? Because back then, if you were married, or I mean now, if you're married, you can't subpoena a spouse to uh, come in court and, you know what I mean, like speak against their spouse. Like it's against the law. So he was like, the only way I could stop them from trying to get my girlfriend into court is by marrying her. So that's exactly what he did. He went across state lines and he married her so they couldn't subpoena her to testify against him in court.
1: Man, that dude must... You know, out of, out of uh, Capone's boys, i think
0: they... Jack's pretty smart.
1: Jack's pretty smart. He He knew. Like, man, fuck, I'm, I'm going to let the boss man down because I've been with the boss man since since I was like, a teen or something. I don't know how, how old is Jack, but... He he probably lived that gangster life when he was, like, a young timer, young buck. Get the fuck out, Drew.
0: <laughs> but uh, the case, then the case stagnated until December 14th, 1929, when the Breyer Encounter County, Michigan Sheriff's Department raided the St. Joseph, Michigan bungalow. Bungalow. What a funny word. Bungalow. 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 Uh, Frederick Dr- Dane the registered owner of a vehicle driven by Fred Killer Burke. Yeah, what a badass name. FKB, dude, what a badass name. FKB. (laughs) Burke had been drinking that night, then rear-ended another vehicle and drove off. Patrolman Charles Skelly pursued, finally forcing him off the road. Skelly hopped onto the running board of Burke's car, but he was shot three times and died of his wounds that night. The car was found wrecked and abandoned just outside St. Joseph and traced to Fred Dane by this time police were police photos confirmed that Dane was in fact Fred Burke wanted by the Chicago police for his part- participation in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre and also while we're talking a little bit about the investigation progress also there was a doctor I forgot his name This is like a like super weird name but he had started his own investigation into the Saint Valentine's Day massacre. And the other doctors that he was working with to try and work on the case, they had known about somebody who was working in New Jersey who had just discovered uh what the hell is that thing called? Like that I don't know what it's called, but like when they like take like bullets and they could trace you back with like bullets, what's that called? Uh, yeah, uh it's like something they do with like they they, like, I don't know. They do. Sh-
1: oh, it's talking about, like, like, if I had, like, this is pretty much, like, if I shot you, uh, that bullet will go like, they'll find out, like, this. Yeah, sort of- they
0: shoot a gun to find, try and figure out which bullet it, it w- matches up with the bullet that was used. Yeah. Um, Whatever that process is called. I can't remember what it's called right now.
1: I, I bet, I, I, dude, I bet as soon as we leave out of here. Like, oh fuck! I know what the fuck that shit's called now.
0: But yeah, that pro they uh this doctor and his friends that had uh, that were working on trying to solve the massacre too. They uh, had called in a guy from New Jersey to help him with that, and he's the one that found out uh, that linked the top Thompson submachine guns back to a gang violence shooting.
1: Oh, uh, dude! It was like as soon as they f- like uh, sorry cutting off, but as soon as they find out. The bullet is like all right. They go in their little database because back then they gotta write it down. I go back in the database. Like all right, this is uh, a Smith Western Western uh, forty-five. There's only six people have this ex- had this gun. Then he's like, all right. They look at everyone's. Uh yeah, I was pointing at my screen. I thought I was supposed to be pointing down to the ground. <laughs> They'd be looking at. Um, be looking at the people's names, like, they'll question them. They'll bring them in and question them.
0: Oh, I just fired I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> and, um, most of the time, if, like, if this is, like I was saying, six people, and one person shot the gun, they're going to have to take the gun and examine it because, uh, when you shoot, when you shoot a gun, sometimes, it will leave, uh, residue. You tell how long, how long the gun been shot. If it been cleaned, if it just got recently shot, or you can tell by the hand sometimes, because of that residue on your hand.
0: Yeah, the gunpowder residue. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when uh the police had raided Burke's bungalow, they found a large trunk Dude. containing a bulletproof vest, almost thirty-two three hundred twenty thousand dollars in bonds, recently stolen from a Wisconsin bank. Two Thompson submachine guns, pistols, two shotguns, and a thousand rounds of ammunition. St. Joseph authorities immediately notified the Chicago police who requested both machine guns. They used the new science of forensic ballistics. That's it. Forensic
1: ballistics. Forensic
0: ballistics. That's it. To identify both weapons as those used in the massacre. They had also discovered that one of them had been used to murder New York mobster Frankie Yale a year and a half earlier. Unfortunately, no further concrete evidence surfaced in the massacre case. Burke was captured over a year later on a Missouri farm. The case against him was strongest in connection to the murder of Officer Skelly. So he was tried in Michigan and subsequently sentenced to life imprisonment. He died in prison in 1940. So yeah, when they had had finally cut up to that Fred Burke guy, they knew that they couldn't stake well, I mean, they didn't really care about trying to charge him for the massacre. They were like, fuck, he killed a cop. We're charging him for that. So that's what they charged him for. So then he never stood trial for the massacre, ever.
1: Yo, um, go back to my uh, little f- facts I got right now. Uh, a special squad of agents, the, un- the Untouchables, headed by Eli Ness, brought down El Capone. El Capone. Not for his violent crimes but for a tax evasion. Like how the fuck how the fuck did the, uh they can never catch this guy, but he was like he did the he did the massacre, he set the massacre up and he did other gangster shit, but they get him on tax fraud? Like what the fuck? Yep. They probably didn't have enough evidence on Capone. That's that that, that right there... that we might talk about Capone later on. Uh with with uh his brother. Because I, I think Al Capone's probably one of my favorite uh, gangsters,
0: right now. Uh, that's funny that you bring that up. That that's what they got uh, Capone for. You know what they got Bugsy for? know yeah, what? Bank robbery. For trying to rob a bank. Uh, that landed landed him in. I already said this. Yeah, landed him, leaving the federal prison. Uh, he was released in 1956, but was then rearrested for an earlier bank robbery. What the fuck? And then he died in prison.
1: And, um, Here's my last fact I got it written down. Neither Al Capone nor any other gangsters were convicted of the St. Valentine's Massacre to this day. It remains the most famous unsolved crime in American history. That, that's real interesting because if you think about it, I never knew that just now. But like, we remember our Jack, Jack the Repa rip episode. Jack the Repa. Jack the Ripper, uh episode. It was the most, uh, that was the un, the most famous unsolved crime in London. Now we got our most in American history.
0: Yeah, and the, uh, Moran died of lung cancer a few months into his 10-year prison sentence. Does it say how, how old uh, Capone was when he died? Do you know? Uh,
1: let me just look. I
0: uh, I did. Uh, it was uh, um,
1: Capone was like forty eight.
0: Are you just guessing, or do you actually know?
1: Uh, he was born eight. Uh, he was born ni- uh, eighteen ninety nine and he died in you ni- no, know eighteen ninety nine, and he died in nineteen forty seven. Let me just go. Up. Let me just look. Him. Yeah, eighteen ninety nine to uh,
0: f- uh, nineteen forty seven. Doesn't just tell you what age he was. No, that's
1: fucking stupid. Yeah, fuck it is stupid. Oh, forty eight. Yeah, I was right.
0: It was forty eight. Oh well, I guess Bugs Moran, Bugsy Moran, won in the end. He outlived Capone. Bugs Moran died sixty
1: three. Yo, j- dude, dude, just think about it. Al Capone went to prison at 33 for tax evasion.
0: Yes, my guy wins. No, my guy loses. Bugsy Moran outlived the great Al Capone, but died horribly horrible death from lung cancer. <laughs> my god. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, Got any other facts you want to talk about? Let me just, let me I'm fucking just, tired. Do they get me a New Medicine or I'm
1: Again, I'm ridiculously tired. Yeah, they
0: up my dosage from five to ten. Mm. Um, yeah, dude, dude.
1: Like, I, I as I said to earlier in the episode, I don't like Valentine's Day because Valentine's for me is not about uh, is not about giving candy, giving flowers, or whatnot. It's about the massacre of Chicago, 1929.
0: Hey, man, Bugs Moran was not a bad-looking dude either. Like, as far as, like, gangsters go, you'd think he looked weird, but he doesn't look that weird.
1: Yo, I know this is not, like, relatable. Was J. Edgar Hoover was buried, supposedly his body is buried inside uh, the football stadium? Really I didn't know that it was it was it was one of them guys it was a gangster that was buried inside it was like a a famous person was like supposed his body is buried inside a football stadium like New York mm. stadium that's interesting
0: I mean there's a lot of big names involved in all this shit man that we could uh like i said uh we're obviously gonna have my brother on at some point but uh. When we do, we'll dive a little more deep into into all this stuff. And I mean, I'm not—I'm gonna, gonna be honest with you guys, man. I'm kind of out of my element here. I don't really know much about mobsters, so man. that's why you know this episode wasn't the best. It, it was—it wasn't—it was the best, but it wasn't. But I mean, it's like out of my wheelhouse. So I wasn't really prepared for it. You know what I mean? It, like it, I was—I was banking off the fact, hoping that my brother would be here because.
1: Oh, we could to be. Tough he's he's
0: fucking great at this kind of shit, but, I mean, you know, it's it's all right. He had some shit come up. It's no big deal, you know. He'll be. You guys will see him. You guys will hear him out a lot in the coming future. He's gonna, you know, be stopping in a lot.
1: Yeah, I just found out how uh, Jake or Hoover died, a heart attack.
0: Yeah. God damn! Bugs Moran's shoe size was eleven. He wore an eleven. That's wild.
1: Man, he got some big feet. Well, I got big feet.
0: Al Capone, Pretty Boy. Al Capone, Pretty Boy Floyd, Bugsy Siegel, Babyface Nelson, Johnny Torrio, Dino O'Bannon, John Dillinger, Clyde Barrow, Claude Maddox were just a few of the people that Bugs Moran worked with.
1: Yeah, Bugs Moran didn't look... He didn't look... Ugly, ugly. He don't look
0: good. He just look... As far as, like, gangsters back then go, he wasn't a bad-looking dude. Al Capone was way fucking weirder looking. Yeah,
1: fucking weird, uglier.
0: Al Capone was weird as fuck, dude.
1: Well, if Al Capone's family ever heard of this, we respect your daddy or your granddaddy. Shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> but yeah, once we have my brother on here, we'll dive a little deeper into, like, you know, more mafia stuff. There's a lot of stuff that I want to talk oh, about. Oh,
1: dude, we could do one episode about the five the five families in New York City.
0: That could be an that could be a
1: good episode right
0: there. Yeah, I mean we'll dive deeper into that kind of stuff, you know. I mean I was just kinda of out of my wheelhouse here, so I kind of just went off basic like knowledge that I knew and then a little bit that I picked up from this uh podcast that I listened to. But uh we do got a really, really good episode planned that me and Drew were just talking about on the way here. So, like, I'm super excited to talk about. It might be our first parter. Yeah, uh, it might be our first split episode. We're going to have to wait. We got we to gotta hold off a little bit because um, that one we definitely want to try and have a guest on for because it's a really good one. So we got to try and figure out uh, when we're going to do it. Because I think that episode won't count as a week for one of us. You know what I mean? I think that's going to be one of our together episodes where it kind of just counts as, like, a dual episode. You know what I mean? Oh definitely. So I'll have to try and figure it out and try to have some try and find somebody good to come on and talk about it with us. That's gonna be uh it's gonna be a pretty deep episode. It's gonna be wild. Might uh might might ruin a little a couple childhoods. Dude, That's for sure yo, I mean it definitely ruined mine when I found out.
1: Yeah, I did not know he like he told me about this like a week ago.
0: Like, all right, I'll be down. There's some deep shit, dude. I we I we, w- we got there's one. There's some subject- deep rabbit holes, dude. That yeah. you can go down with this kind of shit. You know, it's wild. I we got, are we got one little part I'm w- I want. I want to do about. It's wild, dude. It's some shit. Yeah, yeah oh. dude. And then we could do a whole nother one about the cl- you know about the bigger company. That's a whole nother separate episode that we were talking about.
1: Well, you don't know what big company you're talking about. You're talking yeah, about. I don't want
0: to tease too much for you guys and get you mad because we don't know when we're going to do it. But, yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's what we got for you. So, anything else you want to say, Joe? What's a time check. Give me a time check. Oh, man, time check, 50 minutes. 50?
1: T- 58. Oh, 10 perfect. seconds. perfect. Dude, 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 that was... So
0: close to freedom.
1: <laughs> Almost so close. But, um...
0: Wait, real quick side note, guys. I don't want you to think that when I asked you for a time check, it's because I don't want to be here. I love doing the pod. I love being here. I love putting out content for you guys. But you got to understand, we don't eat until after the podcast is over. So I'm always starving by the time we get to like the middle of an episode. So that's why I'm always so excited when it's so much time for us to pack it in because then I can go fucking eat because I'm starving because I'm a fat bitch. But go ahead, Drew. Say what you want to say. Um, I got
1: like a little quote. There is no concern between happiness and amount of money. What? Uh, that's, that's, I do I attention That typed, didn't make any sense. I know. But I was just I was typing in, like, Valentine's Day Massacre quotes or something just right off my head.
0: I'm trying to think of, like, some other big names we could talk about in a Mafia episode. There's or, a lot, dude. There's tons or, of big hey, names.
1: Or we also talk about... uh Godfather.
0: Yeah, we can talk about that, I guess.
1: Oh man, now you got, Could you could break that down to? I don't know, like with Godfather, Goodfellas, and all the gangster kind of movies.
0: Oh, I mean, we could do a whole separate episode about like media based, like gangsters. Yeah. Like you know, doing like episode where we talk about like gangster movies, like talk about like Sopranos, shit like that. Yeah. I'd have to watch Sopranos. I never watched watch it. From start to finish, I've watched like bits and pieces. I've never watched start to finish though.
1: And and we could talk about the mo- the most recent gangsters like uh, El Chapo. All right, all right.
0: Before before we modern leave, day gangsters, yeah. Before we
1: uh, we we'll talk about modern day gangsters. Uh, we we could talk about the uh, whatever you guys want to hear about. There's some good. There's a
0: thing I'm trying to think of what it is, and I can't remember. The Ice Man or something like that.
1: Oh, the Ice Man. I <laughs> remember
0: hearing a podcast episode about him once pretty good. We could talk about guys like that. I mean, there's tons of fucking gangsters. I mean, when it comes to mafia, man, there's no shortage of episodes. I mean, we could do a full-blown episode on what, you know, New York State was like back in the old mafia days Yo. when the mafia ran this place. Oh, dude. And how it was probably better than it is now. Just saying.
1: And ve- and we could talk about ties, how the Vegas mafia... Like, how the, ma- like the the Italian mafia has ties in the Vegas.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's mafia history in general is just so deep, dude, that you could probably do an entire podcast of just mafia. Dude. Like the Mafia Boys. Yeah, the Mafia Boys. Well, that's a good name. Write that down. Mafia Boys. The Mafia Boys.
1: Chopping Cheetah.
0: Mafia Boys. Hey, quick little side note, like super out of left field. But you know what I found on my computer the other day, Drew? You know what? Our show. Oh,
1: my fucking yeah, God. You know the
0: show me and my brother were going to write? In your trailer. Passing Gas. Passing Gas. What a great name, dude. We should have. Why did we never go through with that? That's such a great name. Dude, but dude, that could be like an adult animation like Rick and Morty, dude. It'd be perfect. Wait a minute. How about your other show? Oh, Mr. America and the Freedom Fighters? Dude, that's a more family-friendly show. Yeah. <laughs> like got- Passing Gas could be like a Rick and Morty, dude. That show would work so great as animation. I seen it and I would take a picture of it because I'm like, man, I remember this. I remember sitting in my trailer, the three of us, when we were like keyed in on making an episode, like making it actually happen, like we were hyped.
1: Man, I was like the boss man or something.
0: Yeah, your name was Ziggy. Yeah. You wanted your character's name to be Ziggy. Dude, why? I don't know. Yeah, you were Ziggy. Uh, And your name was... Z- Scotty went by Scoot. It was Scoot? You were Ziggy and I called myself Reggie And the first episode was going to be My origin story About how I had superpowers Remember you guys were going to follow me home from work one night And find out that I'd been fighting crime As a masked vigilante Named Young Turk Alright <laughs> dear That's still going to happen We're going to do that one day But uh, We're going to head on out of here I'm going to go eat because I'm fucking starving like I'm legit foaming at the mouth, I'm so hungry. Food. But uh before we get on out of here, I wanted to leave you guys, I got a little quote I want to leave you guys with, perfect little ender for this episode. Ended as, uh, what? You know. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> Hold on a second. You're just fucking ridiculous. Man,
1: sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm like a space mutant. But it's all one love out here. I what it was Hold on <laughs> But um I was saying uh, I definitely did appreciate This episode Cause Every You guys saw on Every fucking Valentine's Day I'm always preaching choir. Oh it's not about the love and shit It's about the massacre It's about the massacre
0: It's funny cause it actually Popped up in my Facebook memories On Monday What? Like Like me posting something A couple of years ago About the massacre Yeah, I got it. All right. Well, this is my little send off for you guys. Thank you for listening to our St. Valentine's Day massacre episode. (inaudible) And I guess the one thing we could all learn from this is I guess crime really doesn't pay, at least not on St. Valentine's Day.
1: Thank you for riding along, losers.